Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baylor with the biggest rally in program history. And then West Virginia drags TCU to hell. TCU does not go with them. This is a neighborhood watch. This is the winner's circle. We focus on the biggest winners of the weekend in the Big 12 Conference. There were a lot of them. A bunch of exciting games. Uh, this conference delivered once again. No surprises here. A couple debuts at home for the new schools, including UCF with a up-and-down debut uh, BYU with an electric debut. That was a weird box score to start out and then kind of a stretching out of a lead. And also Kansas and Texas, Texas showing their quality. Oklahoma maybe answering some questions as well. There is so much to get to. Make sure you all subscribe to the Crystal Ball College Football Channel. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. That is what uh, that is the umbrella, the big channel, if you will, the mothership for us. Make sure you find us on X slash Twitter at NWPod365 at Josh Neighbors underscore is where you guys can find me individually. Also, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, the best way to help us get these things out. And then also find us wherever you guys get your podcast. If you all cannot listen to this or watch the show, rather, if you're driving around, whatever it is. Please make sure you guys uh, listen that way, and a five-star rating helps out a lot. So this was the the weekend was was laid out weirdly because you had the late night Friday night game, which I think is going to be a staple, and we'll talk about that more as the week goes along. I think the idea of Big Twelve Friday nights is just something that we have to get accustomed to, and I, I mean that in a good way. I think that's a place where they can make inroads and kind of you know have a, have a brand there. Uh, we'll get, once again we'll get more into that as we as we you know go through the week. I think. Um, but then you had no noon games. Then you had the three games at 2.30, followed up by the Oklahoma game, and then you had the TCU game. So kind of a weird day spread out throughout the day. Uh, but that middle package is kind of kind of the, the big moment. And I guess I, I thought about where I wanted to start today, and I, I think we're going to do West Virginia first because Baylor's comeback was spectacular. But West Virginia – is doing something that I think like not like I think as a sport needs to be needs to be uh, paid attention to because there's a whole lot that goes into the West Virginia situation. So let's go with the West Virginia Mountaineers first. West Virginia 24, TCU 21. West Virginia is four and one. They're two and zero in the Big Twelve. They just handed Sonny Dykes his first regular season loss. As a uh, in the Big 12, the K State loss, you know, I think folks are you know, not really counting that. It counts, I mean, but like it was in the championship game. 
And I have gone back and forth about, you know, Neil Brown and like what needs to happen this year. In the beginning of the year, I felt pretty confident he needed to win seven or eight games. Then I thought, well, if they have the identity, if they go five or six, if people still like the recruiting because the financial stuff, do they want to hire a football and a basketball coach and put that on Ren Baker potentially? And I just want to talk about Neil Brown right here because this all begins with the coach. This is a spot where Neil Brown knows going into this season what he is facing. Every living room he goes into, every kid that he talks to, every family that he tries to sell on his program, he knows that in the back of their mind, they know that he is probably not going to be the coach, right? That is a deficit to be in. That roster that he has is a deficit to be in. And he goes into the season with that. He goes into the season, honestly, with a pretty good recruiting class, too. Like, he is doing a good job recruiting despite the thing that I just mentioned. And for this to work this season, he needed to get his team to buy in, yes, and to find an identity, yes. But he needed to believe himself that he could do this, right? This is an uphill climb. This is everybody thinks you're dead. This is, you You know, the, the, the fan base wants to believe. Like West Virginia fans I talk to, they want to believe, right? And I think there's a lot of positivity there because what else are you going to do? Just be negative? No, you should be positive. It's your school. You should find the reasons it could work. But Neil Brown had to look at himself and say, all right, how do I want this to go out? He took back the play calling, right? And he made a pretty clear choice about what this team was going to do. They're going to run the football and they're going to play defense and come hell or high water. This was going to be the way West Virginia football played. And he got the whole roster to buy in. And the first game result did not go well for them, but I did not think for a second they quit in that game at all. And ever since then, all they have done is beat the hell out of their opponents. They will drag you to hell. They will drag you to the deep end of the pool. They want to see if you can swim. Usually you can't. They will. They, they will. Last night, guys, the second half defense that was on display, blocking multiple kicks, having multiple players go down, this is, everybody says next man up. This is what this means. Nico Markiel grinding out victories. Last week, I mean, you, you know, against Texas Tech, grinding out a victory. Defense holding up in the end, in the rain, at home, you know, with the fading lights. I mean, this team is just built a little bit different. And Neil Brown clearly convinced himself, like, no matter what, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to make it happen my way and we will sink or we will swim but i am going to put everything i have into it you hear oftentimes about coaches calling around kind of when they know things are dead in the water and i'm not saying neil brown would do something like that but this is a job he's like all right i'm, I'm going to cling to life i'm going to hang on to it some coaches are resigned to their fate you can see it sometimes in the way their teams perform and this is a situation, too, guys, where I wasn't sure Neil Brown would get the full year, depending on how things could go. And it could have gone badly, considering how challenging their schedule was. But the, 
the testament of self-belief, I think, is something we have to factor into this. Because the kids are the players and they get all they get, they should get a lot of the credit. All right. But we oftentimes do give coaches too much credit. This is not one of those situations. I thought Neil Brown had to coach himself back onto the hot seat. And he's pretty firm. I know it's a long season. We got a long way to go. He's off of it because this is this, these kids believe in him. They absolutely believe in what he is saying. And their offense is fun. And it's, and I think Neil Brown is, has kind of thought about creative ways to run the football this season. And I also think too, you know, the two quarterbacks they have, like, I don't know if Nico's going to end up being that good, but Garrett Green is definitely improving and he is an electrifying player. And with the way that he plays, there is a certain joy to the way that he plays that it all kind of feeds into itself. And the defense is tough and mean. And yes, they have some, they had some bad mistakes last night, especially in the first half. Some of their tackling was a massive issue, but the second half they bowed up. They were fantastic on special teams. They made life miserable for TCU's offense in the second half. Absolutely miserable. It talked about what was it, 40 minutes of, of real time where a pass was not completed by TCU Horn Frogs. It's all credit to this team, this group believing in their coach, and their coach had to believe in himself, right? I mean, how was this going to play out? How was he going to carry it? And his team, the teams that play like this, are reflections of their coach and their coaching staff and how their coaches are approaching things. And this team right now, can they go to a Penn State and win? I'd actually be interested to see how that game would play out. I don't think they would, right? But they have not played like the worst team in the Big 12. And here's the thing, guys, about their motto, the 14 thing we've talked about. Like, that's not just bulletin board material from one person. That was we, the collective media, deciding before the season that this thing has gone south for Neil Brown. They do not have an identity and it's not going to get better and it's not going to end well. That is what the collective we thought was going to happen. All I saw on Twitter last night was all of us in the media having to apologize. Now, here's the thing. You know, I talked to West Virginia fans before last year, like they thought the season would go a lot better than it did. And I did not. And so I think there's a certain level of optimism, but Credit to you, West Virginia fans, for sticking with it. I mean, we're seeing it right now. You know, a school that I root for growing up, Virginia Tech, same way too. Like they, they are one and three. They sold out last night against Pitt, and it was uh, you know massive crowd. And uh, I credit all of these fan bases. You know, these these tough mountain fan bases, baby. I mean, they they just backs against the wall. They are the ones you want in your corner, and that these teams are are really just an identity that I absolutely love. I love what what Neil Brown has done. I love what West Virginia is. And look, their schedule, you can look at it moving forward. But, you know, I'm not talking about a lot of football stuff here. I just don't think we can. Because the, the character that this team shows week in and week out. Honestly, guys, it, it, is, it is inspiring. Because we wrote them off. I, I go back to the Athlon Sports quote where in Athlon Sports, an opposing Big 12 coach says, this looks like a Mac roster. And there were some serious concerns. And you have Lathan go down last night, but these guys just keep fighting. And Green and Donaldson went down in the pit game. And these guys keep fighting. They are, they are fighting for each other. They're fighting for their coach. Like they are pulling on that rope. And honestly, you know, we talked so much in college football about like this offseason and this show a lot. We talked a lot about realignment and we talked about the ways in which college football and the chasing the money has made the sport feel less like the sport we love. 
when you watch West Virginia play, it is a reminder of why we love college football. These, these are kids. It's around, these are kids and, and we love the sport and we talk about it so much. And a lot of us wrote them off. They wrote the coach off and now they are wagging our finger and they're checking off the boxes and they're dragging these teams into hell, into hell. And they will not go with them. And it's really impressive to watch them grind out wins like this. Win after win, week after week, hell or high water, they want to be the last one standing. They will take your best punch. They will keep getting up. You need to cut the head off the snake and then chop the snake up because they will not stop coming. They are relentless. They're absolutely relentless in their effort. And uh, to me, man, like it's, it's, it's almost one of the reasons I just love football. And, and, and if you, you know, I think West Virginia fans, like if, if you want to get emotional, I mean, it almost makes me emotional thinking about Neil Brown here, having to hear all the stuff that we said and all the players and stuff, having to hear all the stuff that we said right now, a lot of the Arkansas players where I live and who I cover, they're going through a lot of this right now. There's kind of how they're dealing with the hate on social media and losing streaks and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I'm not saying you got to take your cues from West Virginia, but the response from West Virginia is one to me that just in like a general human sense is it's legitimately inspiring. It is a legitimately inspiring effort. And I'm, I'm so happy to be wrong about them. I'm so happy for that fan base. I'm happy for that coach because we're going to XM guys. We had Neil Brown on a lot and could not be a nicer guy. And people want him to do well. West Virginia fans want him to do well. Us in the media, like want him to do well. And everybody, when they hired him there, thought this would work out and they gave him the extension. I think they thought it was working out and I did not think it was a well-timed extension, but this season, at least right now, this is working out. And I, I do think they can carry it forward. Now the way they play like every game, you know, a lot of the games feel like they're going to be a dog fight. It does not feel like they're a team that can blow the roof off you. But the thing is, if you're tougher and you're better in the margins and blocking field goals and being good on special teams and not committing bad penalties in the end of games, that is the margins, and Neil Brown's team right now is succeeding in those margins. Usually, we don't spend this much time on a team, guys, but at four and one, I'm not really sure what else. I mean, like, this was the tough part of the schedule. Uh, 38 15 lost Penn State, and that game was a little bit close than the score says. That's, that's at Penn State, and Penn State's probably a top eight team this year. 17 to six at Pitt, beat the hell out of them. 20 to 13 at Texas Tech, made the stand in the end, and then TCU 24 21 on the road. They get a bye. They have Houston on the 12th. They have Oklahoma State in the 21st at UCF, BYU. Guys, they've got an opportunity here to do something really important uh, for, for their coach, their school, and their program. West Virginia Athletics has gone through a really challenging time financially and with what's happened on the field, on the court, off field, off the court. They are, it's been a struggle, and this team has is, is, uh, turned a lot of that around. Positivity, good vibes. Uh, it's it's uh, stories like West Virginia, you know, like we we focus so much on the money side of college football guys, but what they're doing right now, you know, you talk about Ohio State and and what it means when they play Notre Dame and LSU and Ole Miss and all these in Red River next week. Sometimes it's not about the big brands. Sometimes the best stories are are, are you know the, the places that we have to they're tucked away in the mountains in Morgantown, West Virginia, and I think that's important about this. That's why we spent so much time on it. Another important story, guys, too, is the Baylor Bears. The Baylor Bears are a massively important story. Uh, and what happened yesterday was a massively important story. And I think when I think about UCF 30, uh, excuse me, Baylor 36, UCF 35, 
you know, Baylor, I've, I'd worried about them quitting. Uh, there was no quitting them yesterday. They fought back. They were down huge in that fourth quarter. They kept their focus, and Gus Malzahn's UCF Knights did not. And there were a bunch of crazy plays on both sides. And that fumble return, guys, was absolutely bonkers. I did not, I forgot who the broadcast crew was for this game because uh, one of those like weird Fox crews. Just, just those guys were losing their minds. It was unbelievable to see. But Blake Shapin comes back. And I thought Baylor missed a lot of opportunities. It looks like they were just trying to get their footing right. But they get this, there's the massive deficit and they, they keep pounding and they just keep coming. And uh, I thought a couple of big keys in this game too. They found something with Dawson Pendergrass. Richard Reese got 10 carries, or excuse me, uh, Dominic Richardson got 10 carries. Richard Reese got 16. So Robbie Triano and I talked about this and we thought Richard Reese had a chance to be one of the best backs in the conference. I don't know if it was a focus thing. I don't know if it was a player evaluation thing. I don't know if it was a combination of both. I don't know what happened there. And, and once again, I'm part of the 365 Sports Network. So maybe those guys have a better idea of what actually happened um, in that situation. But they go back to Richard Reese this week, 16 carries for 100 yards and didn't score, but you know he had a 28-yard run. And so they got the running game going. They only ran for 3.6, but if you take out the um, – if you take out the yardage that uh, Blake Shapin lost. I want to see in the end, I actually didn't see the sack numbers uh, in this game. Tackles for loss and sacks. Yeah, so four sacks, seven TFLs. If you take out Blake Shapin's performance today, and he did run for a touchdown, but like if you take out his performance today and just look at the guys that were asked to run the football, and I'll even take out Monterey Ball when we had carry for 10 yards. Um, but you had Dawson Pendergrass, seven for 30. You had Dominic Richardson, 10 for 37. And you had Richard Reese, who went 16 for 100 so you had uh, those three guys together combined for you know uh what was it 30 34 carries and they end up toting the rock for 167 yards right so you were better on the ground blake shapen you know hit or miss which it, it can sometimes be but when it mattered most the chips were down man and here are the big keys baylor was 10 of 18 on fourth down in this game all right they outscored uh ucf 26 nothing in that fourth quarter they were the. They did not turn the ball over as much. They had the more of the ball, and they committed less penalties. And I always go to those categories. When it comes to winning in the margins, that's what matters. When it comes to winning in the margins in this league, that is what matters, and that is what these new teams are going to have to learn. It, you've got to be foot down the entire time, especially in this Big 12, where like there is – I mean, the talent on Baylor, their offense, like this is a pretty talented offense. The criticisms, criticisms about Baylor's talent level – mostly fall on the defense, right? Like, do they have actual corners? Like, are these guys good enough to cover anybody? And, and their offense was getting run for a period of time, or their defense, rather, was getting run for a period of time in this game. I mean, you, you even uh, account for uh, TFLs and sacks, and I, I didn't see the number of Baylor in this game. They only had one sack, five TFLs. I mean, uh, UCF ran the ball at a 6.7 yards per carry clip. They ran for 235 yards. Both Harvey and Johnny Richardson, uh, both were basically at 100 yards. There are 200 yards between them, right? So that's a that's a massive problem. And, and they do have all that talent there. But the more talented teams are putting points on Baylor. And this Dave Aranda defense is a massive problem. But the fact that they're able to rally, they made some huge plays in this game. They got off the field more importantly, right? You look at those last drives from TCU, or excuse me, UCF. UCF second half drives are touchdown, Interception, punt, 
fumble return for touchdown and punt and then miss field goal. And they were moving the ball. I mean, there was an 84 yard drive, a 44 yard drive interception four for 17 is kind of the one stop, but a 37 yard drive. It was a fumble, uh, zero yard drive. So good job there forcing the pun. And then a 33 yard drive that had the miss field goal at the end. So they moved the ball all over Baylor all day long, but Baylor fought and look like there is, there's a lot to correct for Baylor, and this Texas Tech game next week is massive for both these programs. Oh, my God, what a huge game. But at least for one day, for one night, Baylor fans can feel good. And a season that's been very challenging and difficult for them, I'm not saying the win makes sense because it does not make sense, but at least they can go to bed a little happier than they have been. So I'm happy for you all. This win did not make Well, I think it makes sense. I think UCF's not used to being in this league, and I think they lost focus. I think they really did. I think they took their eye off the ball. And Baylor took advantage. And good coaches and good teams do that. I was surprised to see Gus Malzahn's team do that, though. Because it was a lack of execution that really cost them in this spot. Uh, that fumble should not... I mean, that was, that was inexcusable. Uh, it, it should not happen uh, in that situation. It just can't happen. All right, take a sip of the water here. Okay. So what's important about where we're heading next? Let's go to the Texas game. So Texas takes out Kansas 40 to 14. Um, this is another one of the situations where, and I saw Derek Johnson from Locked on Jayhawks put it pretty well about the frustrations that KU fans are feeling right now about the situation for Jalen Daniels. And I, I feel for him too, because that kid, you know, back problems, man, like I, I'm going through some and I, I doubt they're anywhere near as bad as him. And I definitely, the physical activities I do, I walk uphill, uh, walk on an incline. I like running. I like biking. That is not football. And football is a lot harder. And he is a quarterback, which is the hardest position to play. And in his capacity as quarterback, guys, he's got a lot of challenges he has to face. Um, and also people are trying to kill him all the time. And so his back bothering him is, is upsetting. And it's tough. And you never know what's going to flare up. And luckily, Jason Bean is always there to, to kind of, as much as he can, take off the load. But Jalen Daniels just operates a little bit differently. He's a different level player, and they missed him. I will say Kansas gave this thing everything they had, right? They were in this game in the fourth quarter. I tweeted out the box score, guys, in the fourth quarter, and I will show you all this now. I'm going to share my screen to kind of give you guys an idea of like where this game was. All right, so here you go. It's 631 in the fourth quarter, double possession for, uh, for Texas, 20 first downs to seven for Texas. Six of 11 on third down for Texas. One of one on fourth down to 0 of four for Kansas. 554 yards or 454, excuse me, yards of offense for Texas. 214 for KU. 56 plays compared to 26. Now, that kind of indicated the dam was going to break. But the thing about that is also, like, the fact it was a game was pretty crazy. And we're going to have John Kurtz on this week kind of talking about playing with like is, is Texas playing with their food too much. I actually thought it's the fact that Kansas can just stay in games, right? They are really good at staying in games. They, they can bow up sometimes. If you kind of look at the, uh, the drives, you know, they force a long drive. Basically, I mean, they're getting scored on, but here the drives went touchdown for Texas field goal for Texas, 76 yard drive touchdown for KU response. Then you had a field goal for Texas and then you had another missed field goal and you had an interception. But look at the length of those drives. 88 yards, 76 yards, 63 yards, 48 yards, and then 52 yards. 
They moved the ball all over their ass in the first half. I mean, they could not stop them with a damn, that being Kansas. But you'll, you, you make some drives that end in the red zone, field goals, that is where you can win. And we talked about that as a key. The Texas red zone offense has not been very good. The Kansas red zone defense has not been very good. So if you force some field goals, you get some missed field goals and a horrific Quinn Ewers interception, the state of the game can change a little bit. That Ewers interception at the end of the first half comes the 29-yard line of Kansas. Right? And so that's why at 13 to 7 and a half, you know, you actually Kansas was in business. And then here's the thing, guys. You go touchdown for Texas to start the half, but KU gets a touchdown. I think it's a Jason Bean bomb. They get a missed field goal. So Kansas has the ball at their, I think it's like their own 30 yard, yard line when Bert Auburn misses a field goal. Kansas has the ball back down six, but they fumble. And that's basically the end. Of, this is how the last drives of the KU of KU's game go, right? Three yards fumble, four yards punt, uh, minus two yards punt, and 60 plays down. And they were at that point, uh, at that point, they were down 26. So Texas turned the screws, guys. That is that is the story of this game. Texas said, all right, we are going to turn the screws on Kansas. Um, and KU hang, hung in that game for as long as possible. I do think it's a different story if Jason, uh, if, if Jalen Daniels is in the game, because I didn't think Jason Bean played terribly, but it's just a different offense. There's a bit more of a command um, at that point. And I also thought the one thing I liked about this game was I love the way that Texas ran the football because Jonathan Brooks was 21 for 218 and two scores. Quinn Ewers was two scores. Guys, they ran for 336 yards, six yards a carry, four touchdowns on the ground. This Texas offense knew that was where they could win this game, was in the trenches. And Kansas has gotten better there, but Texas guys held up against Alabama in the trenches. And so we know that if they did that, they can hold up against Kansas and they can win battles and they were winning battles. And Jonathan Brooks, folks, this is a quality back. I mean, he had one, he had one in the middle of the field. He, you know, the Jalen Hurts getting freaky. He did the Jalen Hurts getting freaky in the middle of the field. So Texas, um, they're, they're a little bit of a wagon right now. And I'm not saying full wagon watch, but at 5-0, and oh, they racked up wins at Kansas, or excuse me, at, at, uh, at Alabama. They beat the breaks off Baylor, even in the game they made some mistakes. And then they stretched it out. I mean, they, they, they turned those screws, a little bit of hammer and nail there in that second half. It was close. It was close. But, you know, at one point we had 20 to 14 and we ended at 40 to 14. So an efficient quality effort in that second half. And, and you know, I'm wondering, like in a game like this, guys, is there somebody that could take advantage? I do think a K-State could. I don't know about Oklahoma, but I know K-State can because I've seen them do it before. Um, and I'm wondering if there's other teams in the league, though. And I think it's a big conversation is can somebody else make Texas pay for their mistakes and not being locked in? Red River on the way next week for Texas. So that, that's actually, a, you know, obviously a, a massive contest coming up there. All right, let's take a trip back to Friday night to go to the winner's circle. BYU 35, Cincinnati 27. So BYU is once again, they are, they are the uh, opportunists. They are the ones waiting, praying for your downfall because when it happens, they will take advantage. The box score indicates a quality Cincinnati performance. The scoreboard shows a BYU victory. All right, first downs went the way of the Bearcats. They're down nine of 18 for the Bearcats, but they had two turnovers. They had more penalties and they did not finish the drives. 
All right. They had a pick six in this game, which was obviously a problem. I mean, this first half, this was ugly. Uh, you had a punt from BYU, a pick six that was thrown by uh, by by Emory Jones. You had turnover on downs, you had a punt by BYU, a touchdown for Cincinnati, a punt by BYU. I mean, BYU's offense was not good, and they did eventually wake up. Um, LJ Martin, to me, guys, you know, to, to ride a freshman as much as they did, he's not always the strongest. The numbers don't always look great in the end. They did a good enough job, and Keaton Slovis is pretty meh. But BYU's four and one. You know, I this is a weird league this year, guys. And last week, Kansas took care of BYU as a game they were in, but Kansas kind of takes care of it. You know, uh, BYU goes to TCU in two weeks, a game I think they can win if TCU is asleep at the wheel. We'll talk more about the losers as we go along. But BYU, to me, just still being the opportunists, still being able to convert. I mean, they're well on their way to going to a bowl game. Now, this back stretch is where things very, very much get challenging. They have road games at TCU, at Texas, uh, at, Texas at West Virginia, and at Oklahoma State. They get Texas Tech, they get Iowa State, and they get Oklahoma all coming to them. But this is a team that has won on the road before. They won at Arkansas. And so that is a team that is better than them. That is a team that is more physical than them. But they do have opportunities to win in the margins at times. And uh, they've been really good sometimes in those. You know, I think we talked a lot of this year about the margins, especially in the league is kind of like up and down. A lot of teams, you know, we're not sure where they fit in. Being better in the margins in those games is where you can win and lose. And and BYU is executing a little bit higher. And they, they executed higher than, than Arkansas when it mattered. And they executed higher in this game in Cincinnati when it mattered. And the home crowd for them, I have to say, guys, BYU, it's a madhouse. And if they, this team is is interesting, but they're not, it's not one of the better BYU teams I think we've seen. That's credit to BYU for building really good teams. They're kind of in a transitional phase, right? So uh, if they can get a really good group and they get a, the right schedule at home, I, I can't wait to see what BYU can cook up on a lot of opportunities. So uh, credit to them for getting the victory. All right, a couple more here to wrap up. Oklahoma beats up on uh, Iowa State 50 to 20. So I thought that defense might test them. This was kind of a, a weird back and forth game, right? 21 10, you know, and then, and then it got stretched out there. Rocco Becht uh, tried to sling the ball around. They tried to toss this ball around the yard a little bit, and it worked out for a second. But then, you know, I think uh, Oklahoma's quality took over 50 to 20. Your final score once again in this game. And I didn't watch, I'll be honest, I didn't, I did not catch a ton of this game, but uh, uh, Oklahoma was able really to move the ball all over Iowa State as much as they wanted to at home. And once they're able to stretch this thing out, it was really never much of a problem for them. They're pretty efficient in the passing game, they ran the ball well enough. And, um, you know, I, I don't, can they beat Texas? Yes. Um, if, if we're fully locked in Texas, this team is – I know they beat – they won by 30, right? So putting up 50 on Iowa State, and I forgot how many of those were not offensive, uh, but putting up 50 points in general on Iowa State is uh, is obviously really impressive to do. Yeah, and so it looks like there's only any defensive scores in this game. Um, it's a really impressive thing to do. But, um, you know, like, is this team good enough to beat Texas? I don't know. But, hey, they're, they're right now their schedule we talked about, right? They're 5-0, like – this schedule was screaming 10 wins because of how easy it was. And look, did the Tulsa or excuse me, did the SMU game look pretty? No. Did the Cincinnati game look pretty? No. This looked a lot prettier. And uh, for them, you know, look at the rest of the schedule. Like, there's not a ton of really difficult games. At Kansas could be tough. 
at Oklahoma State might be, but I don't think Oklahoma State's very good. They get West Virginia at home. At BYU, they should be able to handle. Well, let's see where both teams are late in the season. They get TCU last week of the season on Fox on a Friday at home. We'll see where they are at that point in time. And so, I mean, this, this is kind of the big one right here. Like, this team could go undefeated if they win this week. Oklahoma's got a chance to go undefeated. Would I bet on it? No, especially if they win this week, I would not bet on it. Right, but Oklahoma undefeated is a possibility if they win this week. The final one we got to talk about is Texas Tech getting off the Schneid as they beat uh, as they beat uh, Houston by a score of forty nine to twenty eight. Right, so they had the disappointing loss last week. Baron Morton comes in. This thing was an old fashioned Big Twelve shootout in the first half, and then it stopped being an old fashioned Big Twelve shootout in the first half. This first half saw 28 points from Houston. It saw 35 points from Texas Tech. And then it kind of flipped. Donovan Smith was really good for Houston that first half. Baron Morton, sidearm slinger. You know, we talked about this coming into the game. Would Texas Tech commit to running the football? Because that is an area where they could definitely run the rock against this, uh, against this Houston defense. Well, they did. And they blocked a punt. And uh, Taj Brooks found the end zone twice. Cameron Valdez found the end zone once. Both those guys went over 100 yards on the day, right? And a variety of receivers. Loic Fungi caught a touchdown. Miles Price caught a touchdown. Xavier White was catching balls as well. They're kind of using everything. And, and I thought this was a nice game to get Baron Morton going. Now, he's not the kind of uh, up straight, you know, Tyler Shuck, just big bodied, throwed over top passer. He is a sidearm guy. You know, Baron Morton likes the angles a bit more. And so they might be playing stuff a bit more over the middle between the tackles. He does some nice throws to the outside. The, I think it was Price in the end zone who caught the one on the left side. Um, like that a lot. It was a good throw. Uh, but like special teams, you know, they they found a way to, to, to stretch this thing out and their defense played really well in the second half. I mean, their defense can give it up. The fact they adjusted, though, is good. So there's some good and some bad on both sides of things. But Texas Tech getting a two and three. And the disappointment bowl is next week, right? Baylor and Texas Tech, both being at two and three is really disappointing, but getting some win rhythm, being on a win streak, that is possible. If Texas Tech can win at Baylor next week, guys, they get K-State at home after that. And so they have a chance to really put their foot down and turn this season around, right? And rip off three straight. And then they start looking like a team that can cause some problems for, you know, other, other schools and, and, um, and you think about building that Texas game at the end of the year, it's going to be so anticipated, right? Uh, they've got a chance to build some momentum. So Texas Tech, credit to you. You should beat Houston at home. You bounce back. You did beat Houston at home. All right, Oklahoma State, Kansas State on a bye week. Uh, loser's circle coming Monday. Boy, we have a lot to talk about in the loser's circle. Uh, Kansas, you know, if we talk about the off the hook, like we'll get to it, but KU is probably going to end up being off the hook. Cincinnati's just not very good, I don't think. Iowa State, same thing applies for them, but we'll talk about Houston. We'll talk about UCF. We'll talk about TCU and those losses and what they mean. That is all coming up on Monday's show. Make sure you all subscribe to the channel, like the videos. That helps get these things around. We appreciate you all doing that. All right, folks, talk to you tomorrow.